Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Edie Quinn, and I'd like you to hear something. Killjoy Division by Yellow Wallpaper, featuring my pal Cheyenne Homan on drums. The song is the title track off the new album, which you can find on Bandcamp now. I have a really early childhood memory of being at a picnic at a park on a hill and flying a kite and eating green grapes. <laughs> I think I was probably like three or four years old. <laughs> <laughs> so like all of, all of this at the same time, like how, how coordinated, like you were destined to be a drummer, really. Like if you were <laughs> flying a kite, eating the grapes, you know, like that's some hand, you know, that's some fine motor skill coordination and, you know, hand, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> ambidextrous like proclivity as well, you know. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. That's a really good one to have. Like it's, uh, it's very simple, very satisfying, straightforward, you know. Um, uh, it's a little hard to read much more into that so like you yeah know. it's just kind of an image yeah, more yeah. than anything yeah it's perfect though um so yeah what was it like um around your house growing up like as far as uh you know it, your art influences and your musical influences like came to be like did your folks listen to a lot of music around the house i mean um you know it, it uh of course i've you know i met uh, your folks like briefly once, uh, 20 something years ago, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I don't know like how it was like for you growing up, like, um, what kind of music your folks listen to and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a rare bird in that I am a second generation, like punk rocker (laughs) Uh in a lot of ways. Like my parents were hanging out in the punk scene in, Louisville, Kentucky in the eighties when I was born. Um, and so I like knew and, you know, was friends with like people that were in a bunch of sort of like first wave, like punk and hardcore bands from the area. Um, you know, like one of, uh, one of our very close family friends, even still who I see like at holidays and stuff is Ben Daughtry from Squirrel Bait. Um, and like, you know, he taught me how to roller skate when I was like five or six years old. Uh, and I was like going to shows from a very young age and my parents were huge into music. Uh, we listened to a lot of new wave at home, but also a lot of like jazz. And like, I remember, um, the B-52's cosmic thing being on heavy rotation, uh, Kraftwerk's computer world. Um, 
my parents also really loved ween so like in the 90s like i listened to like godween satan on the pod and stuff when i was like a child yeah <laughs> so <laughs> pretty weird <laughs> so yeah. you know i that's that's why i am warped in the delightful ways that i am it's like uh, <laughs> l- like stop me if i'm like way off base because i am not like my cousin was really into ween but like i'm such a like surface level like ween knowledge they always seem like they were like weird al but but for like adults is that kind of like their their thing is like it's more serious music but it's also like just demented like fun it's definitely demented and fun but it is also like i would say a lot darker than weird al like it's it's can be kind of mean-spirited and uh, like cr- creepy too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would say like, and their albums are all kind of different. Like they did one called Twelve Golden Country Greats, which of course only has ten songs on it, and they're all decent country songs. <laughs> and then some of it is like you know their early stuff is like really angry, like almost um, like big black ish, like synth, like assault like it's it's really all over the place yeah that's awesome so yeah they're they've got some cool stuff in their catalog for sure and then a bunch of like gross pop songs like gross like about their content matter not not Uh, i think pop is gross i like pop (laughs) oh yeah i just i just was assuming you were referring to the quality of it in one way or another so it's yeah yeah we describe a lot of their music as gnarly and you can take that in lots of ways yeah yeah for sure (laughs) for sure um so when like did your parents um did did either of them play in bands or play instruments um, so my mom sang, uh, in a couple, like, just kind of like backup. Um, and she was, I can't remember. Okay. So she sang with this guy, Bruce Lynn. He was in a group called Folks on Fire, which sounds a whole lot like the Talking Heads, but this was one of his side projects. And I think they were called the Embittered Tango Demons. I don't think they ever recorded anything. Um, my dad was like in marching band in school, but he never played like in a band band. Um, and so like, I also was in the, the band at school. <laughs> I played the flute for like eight years. Um, and you know, look where that got me. So, uh, <laughs> well, is that something that you can still do? Yeah, I can still play the flute. I mean, I don't, I'm not good at it and I don't remember like, all of it. But, um, yeah, I, I played it, uh, with a friend of mine. Um, he played saxophone and I played flute on like a video that our friend made. Um, Um, yeah, so I can still do it. I just don't, I don't even have a flute anymore. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, it's that kind of thing is always wild to me because like, yeah, I, I, I played violin when I was a kid and I was supposedly pretty good. I don't remember anything about it, but then like <laughs> my kid, you know, uh, a few years back was playing violin in, in high school and stuff. And I was like, let me see that. And I could kind of play. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, it obviously doesn't hurt that I can play other things, you know, but right. it, it's so different. That I just, stuff lives in a part of your brain. I think that kind of encodes things pretty well. Yeah. And once you have it in there, you can get it back pretty easily. Yeah. I think I, it's way easier than something like language or, you know, yeah, like yeah. complicated processes. It's like mu- muscle memory 
you know, yeah. but it's like deep, deep tissue, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. It's like Definitely. way in there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's awesome that you can, you know, you can still do it a little bit. I Do you suppose that like playing, even though it was like the flute and it doesn't, you know, pertain to what you do now, do you, do you feel like that gave you a head start? like on drums, you know, when eventually you, you decided to pursue, pursue that or? Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, I did want to be in the percussion section because that's like where all the cool kids were uh, in, in band when I was in like middle and high school. But um, you have to have a decent sense of counting and rhythm in order to like play any instrument. So I do feel like it helped me kind of get my head around rhythm and like understand and also just like I have a really strong I'm not like completely always on to the millisecond but like I have a pretty strong inner metronome and once I know like how what what the pace is for something I can stick with it pretty well which has proven really really useful when uh, my clumsy ass drops a stick and then I have to come back in (laughs) during the middle of a song at a show or something yeah for sure (laughs) yeah yeah, it's um yeah, it's 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 really interesting like you know, you're talking about like counting and and inner like you know, sort of that internal like rhythm and stuff. Because when I was listening to the LP earlier and I think I got this impression just from the you know, first couple of singles or whatever. I was thinking like, you know, this is the playing style strikes me a lot as um not that every drummer in a band isn't uh, isn't a creative like part of the process, but the playing style really. T- I was like, this feels like drumming. That's a part of the songwriting, like first and foremost, like um, how the drums sort of start the song. Like I could see that being like. I got this idea where I'm just going to do this like simple roll and you, and you just kind of go like, bum, 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 you know, and mm-hmm. sure that could have come from the bass player and, and then you just went with that, but I could have saw it going the other way as well. So like, you know, that almost like, you know, to me Im- implied like um, more, uh, of of the writing aspect, which you know made me le- like ask my first question, like about um, your experiences in band, like whether this was something you still did, like write out your ideas physically, or you know anything like that, or if it's just like all on feel. It's a weird situation for me because right now, so I live in an apartment and I don't have a drum set of my own. Mm-hmm. I just play at this practice space, yeah, um, which is my friend's basement where we practice and keep all of our gear. And I actually just play his drum set. So he asked me to join him uh, in playing music about a year and, and change ago, like last July. Because mm-hmm. um, I had been house-sitting for him and I was like, oh, you have a drum kit set up. Could I play on it, like, while you're gone? And he was like, yeah, of course, whatever. The neighbors don't care. Like, just don't play after 11 p.m. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started messing around, and, like, I was really, really anxious about it because the last time I touched a drum set was in 2007. 
like I had a drum set for like about a year. I played it a little bit here and there. I never really like got off the ground with having a band or anything. And then like I sold it cause I was moving out of state and just like needed money. Um, and so a lot of what I do, I wanted to keep it really simple and really straightforward because a, I hate moving a ton of equipment oh, yeah. <laughs> in and out of show spaces. <laughs> yeah. So I literally play four drums. Yeah. Uh, but you can do so much with them. And if you, if you have a sense of musicality to what you want to accomplish, like I treat the drums, not just like a timekeeping mechanism, but also like a creative mechanism. So like with gravel switch, which I think is maybe the song you're thinking about where the drums kind of start. Um, the idea behind that song is like, or behind the drumming in that song is that it's supposed to sort of sound like a sputtering engine. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's about driving and like, you know, like going off the road and feeling out of control and just like, I wanted it to have this sort of like driving, like uneasiness to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so that was, you know, part of it, but yeah, I think that all the songs are written pretty collaboratively and, I often just like mess around with things when we're getting set up and then somebody will be like, Ooh, like hang on to that. We'll use it later. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was hard for me to like, I was listening, um, to the album and, and, uh, like I was on my way, uh, I was like running errands. I had like a bank thing and then I was like going to a comic book shop and stuff. And, um, y'all have the, album split on Bandcamp into just like side A and side B like what was the thought process behind that um it was really just getting it done as quickly as possible that's fair. Uh, but we we also thought that the flow was kind of intentional mm-hmm. with those and we are going to be putting uh the individual tracks up soon um but we released it as a cassette we wanted it to be sort of like two sides that you could listen to uh, we put the timestamps on there as well, so people can like, oh, yeah. skip if they want. But we're going to release. Um, we're going to put all the individual tracks on as well because I feel like there are some songs that really stand on their own, and there are some that are like a little more like arty and like a harder listen for people. So I don't. I think that there will be some songs that people will keep coming back to rather than like an entire side of a tape or not. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> well, that's another thing that I thought was cool and possibly part of the reason uh that y'all did that is because y'all really allow yourself like time to you know like you described it as like arty you know but um like you you really allow yourself like time and space to um like experiment and just do things that you know just just were like wormed their way into y'all's collective heads or whatever and not necessarily worrying about like whether this particular song was like you know you said like something that come people will come back to or rather Mm -hmm. it's like this is a integral part of the album but like you said it might not be something that people are like that's the one I want to hear. That's the one I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I feel like we'll be seeing a lot of partial listens on Bandcamp kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. <laughs> look at this stuff. Yeah. That's like, you know, and that kind of, that kind of thing fascinates me because like, I, I absolutely 100% like do the same thing, but in, in a screamo way, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, um, 
it doesn't come across the same way. I mean, I imagine I see, I don't look at that like skip tracks and stuff that hurts my feelings too much. I'm too, you know, (laughs) so I don't, I don't look at it at all. Like I did at first when I was like, Oh, that's an interesting feature. And then I was like, Oh, I hate it. Um, (laughs) so, so I just don't, but, um, but like, I have a really like kind of, I don't know. I don't give much of a shit about like if people like it or not at this point. But you like to analyze the data in that way. Like I like, do. I have like yeah. a curiosity about mm-hmm. it, but I also feel like, you know, we're not trying to, nor will we like achieve any sort of like commercial success with this album. Like I right. don't have any illusions about like, you know, Oh, is this going to be the hot new single everybody is listening to? Cause like that just doesn't happen anymore. But I do think, um, you know, that that information is interesting. And I kind of know just from my own sensibility, like, and from what of my own songs get stuck in my own head, like which ones I would put out as singles or like, you know, make videos for or something to like kind of boost those. Sure. But, you know, like there, some people probably really love the like really arty Bauhausy things more than the like kind of poppy Curie things that we do. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just up to people's taste. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I mean like, you know, I, I'm always in the camp where I'm like, music needs to be weirder, right? And like, and I th- sometimes I think like, we all think we're making the weirdest music that we could possibly make, right? But like, I don't know what like pushes it to that next level, right? <laughs> uh-huh. um, but I just feel like, you know, there's, especially with like the, um, just the sheer volume of music that is at everyone's fingertips, there's a pressure to, to, uh, to, to, to captivate the audience and hold them like by just like going straight for it and never letting go. And I think that we lose a lot of that, like sort of experimentation and just like, like, I think there's nothing like if, if you, if like your band just starts like screwing around with something and it's something that you're like, oh, this is, this would be like a cool part, like between songs or whatever, then that can be a song. And like, maybe even the band is like, this, this like feels like we're sort of playing and having fun and this isn't like the most like serious song blah 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 and this isn't like i'm not projecting like onto what y'all did i'm just saying like i feel like that kind of playfulness and that kind of like just um wow this was fun and like it's almost I mean, some of my most favorite things to do on guitar is just like, I make a noise and I'm like, that's weird. And I (laughs) will just keep doing it. And I'll be like, how do you put this into a song? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you put this obnoxious thing into a song, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, like, I think... That's Sometimes basically pe- how we got the guitar part for Killjoy Division. I yeah. mean, it's just like, can we make it sound like a 
like a siren or like just kind of like screeching like and that's I mean that song sounds a bit to me like crass because it's just snare <laughs> and like someone shouting uh-huh. <laughs> so like we have a lot of our influences that are like kind of you know I feel like they're they're pretty obvious to people who are you know versed in like old punk and post-punk and stuff but the we want to keep it weird and arty and like if you ever get a chance to see us like uh vvr singer like has a lot of props that she uses like it's a very like (laughs) it's a performance in like more than we're just playing music for you um and i think that it's intentionally kind of playful and weird in that way and in that it becomes this multi um modal like experience for people watching us like oh there's this person bouncing around that has like different like you know different outfits or different like props that she's using or whatever or she's just like doing the splits for no reason or rolling around (laughs) the floor yeah Uh, you know and then like the rest of the band is kind of holding it together and also like i just want to say right now our lineup is a 20 something, a 30 something, a 40 something and a 50 something year old. Oh, okay. And there are two femmes in the band, which is like fucking rare in general. <laughs> so, yeah. like I'm just really really happy that we're not only like being visibly like inclusive, but also just like not we're, we didn't all go to high school together. You know, we're not all homogenous like we all come from super different like backgrounds and sensibilities and there's some sort of alchemy there too, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And like when you're talking about, you, you know, this, this sort of visual spectacle that you put on, I, I couldn't help but think like, yeah, of course it's going to be like that for, you know, coming from a band where someone like followed like Sufi nun squad around. You know, like, of yeah. course there's going to be something, you know? So, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. And, I mean, um, yeah, I think that, you know, uh, one interesting thing, like you said, you know, you, you really do wear your um, your influences on your sleeve. And I, I've never had a problem with that. I mean, I play in a screamo van, so, you know, there's sure. that. But, um, and uh, it's, you know, the thing that I that I found really fascinating about the record is how much it sounds like something from that, like late, you know, mid to late eighties, like, you know, dark wave, whatever the, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the modern term for that is, um, just like in the production value alone, which is like, I feel like, I definitely would not know how to do that. I would not know how to, because it's like, it sounds like it could have been recorded then and not in Mm -hmm. a like, this sounds really slick, but we're trying to make it sound like something else way. It sounds like that in a really genuine way. Like it comes across, like if this played after like, you know, uh, Susie and the Banshees and played before, you know, like a Bauhaus track, like I would just think that it was another band that I hadn't heard of from then. So like whoever, um, I did look at the track credits, but I can't remember like who mixed and engineered it and stuff, but they like knew exactly what they were doing and just really dialed it in. 
Yeah, it, that's a huge compliment. And um, yeah, so basically, we went to our friend's house in Paris, Kentucky, which is about 30 minutes away from Lexington, where we live, and recorded in our friend Joe Mangum's like farmhouse. Uh, he has a studio space in his home, and a lot of it is, um, you know, he recorded us on, I think, a four-track onto a cassette. Oh, okay. And then he digitized that, and we took the digital files and then did, like, a couple of, like, punch-in, like, guitar parts that needed to be moved around or, like, some vocal overdubs. Mm. Uh, and the final mix was actually done by our guitarist, Ben, who's um, really prolific. He's been in a bunch of bands and, like, has solo projects and stuff. He's always doing things. So he's been recording and producing things for a really long time and really knows his way around. Um, and I think that what he did with the recording is like took basically, I mean, cause we recorded everything live synchronously. Um, so like we just played the songs and it was recorded onto a four track. Um, and then we basically like redid the vocals for some of the songs. Um, so it, it's supposed to sound kind of raw and live and like, there are definitely like flubs in there, but it's, it sounds like it's real <laughs> mm -hmm. in a way. Um, and yeah, I think it really, the sonic presence of it is really, um, intentionally a bit lo-fi and rough and weird, um, without yeah. being too awkward. Like the levels are, are even and like, it sounds well produced, but it isn't perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I wouldn't even describe it as like lo-fi necessarily like sounding like the, the, it's like, it's like, you know, I guess I don't mean lo-fi as in like dirty or muddy. I, yeah. feel, I mean like lo-fi as in just like, it's a very DIY project. Oh, and yeah. It still has that like lack of hi-fi sheen. Yeah. Yeah. No, in it's most like, ways. Yeah. What the, it's like, okay, back, you know, back in the, in the late eighties or even the, even the early nineties and stuff, when all us punk bands were like trying to get recorded and stuff, like we couldn't afford anybody like with fancy shit to record us and stuff. Right. So it's like, we just had, we got the person that we could afford or the person, you know, the best person that we could afford. And we got the recording that we got. And it's like, even if at the time that was a pretty good, like, uh, even after that, at the, at that time, like they had pretty good gear or whatever, obviously like now we're, we're talking like, you know, you could do something with an iPhone that sounds more clear than that. Right. <laughs> but yeah. like, you know, like it, that's what I meant by it sounding like it's of that era is like, mm -hmm. it sounds like, something that like it was like the best probably like one of the best things you could do at that time when all this other stuff was coming out and that's something that i feel like um a lot of people try to do with the current equipment that we have and it just sounds so strange and, and mm. you know and this the alchemy of like how y'all got it to sound that way makes a lot of sense you know because it 
it really is like a four track, but also you're able to sort of grease the wheels a little bit with like, you know, um, digital in introductions, overdubs, you know, and, and editing and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's really awesome. I, I've, um, really, I've often been tempted to, uh, like break out, you know, my task cam and, um, do a recording with it, but I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm also very nervous, um, when it comes to recording, even though I do it all myself, I'm like, I've got like two hours to get this, this, and this done. Like I can't <laughs> spend an hour of it remember, like trying to remember how to learn, you know, uh, to use yeah. that thing that I haven't touched in 20 years, you know? Right. Um, I mean, and that's the kind of benefit of having a friend who knows how to use one. Cause he, you know, dialed us all in, we sound checked and line checked. And then like, he would just tell us when to go and we would play. And that was really for us, the utility of having someone else do that part of the recording for us so that like one of us didn't have to hit record and then run to our instrument and start playing. Cause we have done that, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not preferable. You know, it's like an extra pair of hands and another set of ears is like really, really useful. So yeah, that's, you know, yeah. And he really like, I think he dialed in the drums really nicely and he got, he captured everything that he needed to capture for us. And I just, yeah, I, I'm so pleased with, with the end result. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm getting to talk to you about it tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, I'm def I'm definitely in that and will probably always be in that, like hit the record button yourself camp. Um, and it's like, yeah, that's why like my drum set is like right there and my computer <laughs> is right there. Like I literally am just like hit record two, three, four, and then yeah. go for it. Um, yeah. But, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like one more thing to add on to the like you pressure know. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, we were trying to knock everything out in one day and we did. We recorded that entire album in like five hours. That's awesome. So then my arms fell off and I had to reattach them. <laughs> <laughs> you go home and like, don't don't call me tomorrow. I'm going to Yeah, I can't even lift a... I'm gonna go home to eat cereal. Yeah. I'm gonna go home and eat a whole pizza, and then I'm gonna yeah. sleep for two days. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, we were talking before uh, we we started talking about all this stuff um, about how you were going to shows from like a really young age, and actually, like you and I met not because of going to shows, but because like you started booking shows, like at a really <laughs> young age as well. And, um, like, I don't know, like, uh, the whole history of the space or anything, but one of the, you know, places that I like associate with you so much, uh, was the, uh, the brick house in mm -hmm. Louisville. When did you start booking shows? Was it there? And like, how, how did you just like, was it, a peer group that was like, look, we can all do this. Like how, what was your introduction to that aspect? Yeah. Of I will say like, I didn't really book a lot of shows. I, I really would just sort of collaborate with my friend who handled show booking more, uh, at the brick house. I was, um, but I was involved with that project from its inception, I think in like 99 or 2000. 
Mm-hmm. And I was with it until pretty much off and on until I moved away from Louisville in like 2010. So, um, yeah, but I definitely would like, I was in contact with bands and I would help coordinate. Um, but as far as like booking shows and like having to like coordinate sound and, uh, equipment and all that other stuff, like I haven't really done much of that actually until pretty recently. Mm. Um, but it is really satisfying and cool. And the fact that I'm like bringing, you know, events that the kind of things that I want to have happen in my community, like to these spaces is pretty awesome. And, you know, I live in Lexington, Kentucky now, and it's like a small community in the mid South. And so all the weirdos kind of stick together. And, you know, I feel like when I lived here before I would get booked as like a DJ and stuff like to play records, like between bands or whatever. Um, but now I'm like the one doing the booking <laughs> yeah. and, uh, that's been really, really cool. Um, and chaotic and, you know, wild and stressful, but like, it's a, it's a good time. Yeah. So at, at brick, you were like, uh, I, I can't remember, like, did they refer to y'all as like a board or something like that? There yeah, was like, I was for a while. I was like, the VP of the youth part of the board, like it was 50, 50 youth and adults that ran it. And, um, I was in charge of the zine library cause that okay. was my primary interest. And, um, I also like did a lot of event coordinating, um, for like conventions and stuff. Like we hosted the Southern girls convention and we hosted the PAS conference, which is like the permanent autonomous zone conference and some like, you know, kind of like the IWW, like the Wobblies came and, and met at Brick. And um, we had a bunch of stuff like that, and I would help more with that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I also did a ton of promotions and, like, learned how to screen print and, like, you know, did all the <laughs> did all that kind of punk stuff to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, was that your was, – was being involved at Brick your introduction to that aspect, like, like zines and – or were you, like, this is just stuff that – you'd been, you know, picking up on and becoming involved in, like, since you can remember? Well, yeah, so when I was in high school, I was a freshman in high school, this woman came to talk to us about um, the zine project that had been going on called Brat. And um, as it so happens, there are, like, 12, you know, <laughs> punk rock anarchists in Louisville at the time, and she was one of them. And then I started hanging out with them and, uh, wrote some articles for Brat and like did some stuff with that zine. And I also started writing my own zine. I did a couple of like one-off zines that were just sort of like, here's some information about a thing or like, here's a dumb story that I thought would be funny to share with people that I've turned into a little tract or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when I turned 18, I decided I wanted to do a zine that was like a more ongoing project. So I started Neck Monster and I wrote that for like 10 years and I haven't touched it since then. But I do want to like do another issue at some point. But I have a bunch of other sort of writing projects in the fire. So yeah. I'm hoping to get some of those out into the world before I revisit Neck Monster. Because I also feel like Neck Monster was like part of that personal zine like here's my travel journal here's a picture of me doing something cool it was sort of just like proto social media on paper sure (laughs) in a way and so it's kind of cool but it's also kind of like 
it's really only interesting to people that know me. Um, cause I don't, I didn't have a lot of like, you know, deep thoughts about any of it. I was like, I went to this show. It was really cool. Here's the flyer. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, yeah, I had these extremely deep uh, reflections on X, Y, and Z about culture or anything. Oh, they're not essays. It's just like, yeah, I, more like listicles. <laughs> I've been re I've been rethinking like <clears throat> all of that though. Like, because I, I definitely had the, the, like, I, I walked away from that with the, a similar impression. Like why, like why would, this be interesting now when like people can gleam this from like some tweets and some, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and some photos and whatnot. And, um, it's, it's, it's really like, yeah, it could be just like somebody's like, I went to the show and these things happened, but it's really like, it was just storytelling kind of, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. A lot of the time. And I, and I, yeah. You know, I think that that's uh, that's valuable to to anyone who is looking to have that um, that uh, uh, need fulfilled or whatever. You know, I don't. You know, maybe that's like maybe saying it's a need is a, putting it on a bit strong. But you know, <laughs> whoever needs that like um, kind of uh, uh, recreation, like to to just sit down and like you know peruse through some paper and and like it's 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 weird because like yeah i mean like i read like a lot of autobio comics and stuff and and sometimes like i'll read one and i'll have this like i'll walk away from it like holy shit and my partner would read the same one like yeah that was fine and it's <laughs> you know it's really just like it's um, highly subjective yeah. yeah because like you're right like why this is just like somebody's thoughts or whatever and with some drawings, you know, or some photos, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so why would that matter unless this person knew you or, you know, whatever. Um, But yeah, totally subjective. And I think, yeah, I mean. um, And I guess what I want to say, like to kind of append that is like, I'm not saying that it isn't worth doing. Oh, no. But just that like, you know, it, it's something that like I had other things to write zines about that I found more interesting than like myself specifically. Sure. Like I also started writing a zine called empty orchestra, which was like basically an excuse to go sing karaoke all over town and then review the karaoke bars that I went to and like tell little stories about the (laughs) the karaoke experiences I had, which is like super fun. Um, instead of just being like, and then I went to grad school and then I got a crappy job and then I moved, (laughs) you know, and whatever. Um, and like, I'm working on two things right now that are totally unrelated to each other and, and fun. And like, I'm kind of at the point where it's like, if I'm not really enjoying what I'm doing, I, I don't want to do it. So I think Neck Monster like became a bigger burden than an outlet. And so I kind of abandoned the project, but I kept the name. <laughs> like, you, I'm sure you, you know me as Cheyenne Neck Monster. Oh, yeah, I mean, do. It's, <laughs> it's like, how do you... How do you, you how do you walk away from that? But um, uh, well, yeah. yeah. Um, how many issues of Neck Monster did you do over that ten years? Nine. Oh, okay. So yeah, it wasn't I did them like almost annually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. How many zines have you been a part of? Would you reckon? Oh, 
lots and lots. Um, ones that I've made, probably 20-something. Yeah. 30-something maybe. Yeah, 30-something because I've made some really tiny ones too, just little art things. Um, and then as far as like a contributor, that would pop it up into the 50s probably. I mean, I've written essays for a lot of zines and I've written – a ton of like reviews of records for different zines and um yeah i would say i've probably been published by 50ish zines but yeah. i i don't do it that much anymore and i also like had a really uh kind of negative experience lately in the zine scene because oh no well before covid like i moved to uh Jersey city to work at WFMU for a few years and went to a couple of zine fairs in New York and it was, everything was so expensive and it was just like art project stuff. And it wasn't like very punk <laughs> and it also was like not very subculture. Like it was just kind of like, a, I don't know. It just felt really like sort of that crossover of like comics and art in the way that like, oh, we made this with a Rizo and it's eight pages and it's $18 because it's art. And that to me is like something other than what I think of as a zine. And I think that's probably partly because I'm a snob, but I love like a, a shitty black and white Xerox copied thing that is sure. a zine that is cheap. <laughs> and sure. so I'm actually uh, resurrecting the zine fest here in Lexington and I'm calling it halftone to try to like keep the old ways alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. It was like, like, you know, I think that there should be a uh, space for all those things, but I, I think that it's weird that the person with the eight page, you know, um, Rizo thing might think this, they might have some like, Oh, look at these zine plebeians with their Xeroxes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think it, 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 it's, 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 um, I, I definitely am not like a, I'm not a hundred percent a rising tide raises all ships kind of person, you know? Sometimes, like, that's just not true, like, in the world <laughs> at large, you know? Yeah. But, um, but, like, I think it's like, I am totally like, uh, you know, I have th these huge ambitions uh, to do like, like I want to do something really outrageous like that. Uh, like I want to like screen print like my whole issue of number issue number fifty or what. You know what I'm saying? I want to do something outrageous, mm -hmm. but like at the same time, it's like I don't, um, I, I don't, like I don't have a. I have no um, presumptions about like th certain things being for anyone else other than myself, you know, like, mm -hmm. and it's like, it's like why a lot of my musical projects, like, it'll be like, oh, this, this will be out on CD or whatever, because like, it's like, okay, if a bunch of people want this and I'm and it's shown to me that like they want it then I'll be able to do it like a certain way but if not if like only three people want this then that to me like that's fucking awesome too like three people get to have this thing and like nobody else like that's totally fine but that just means like I have to make it in a way that's practical 
for mm-hmm. for just three people to have. So it's like, yeah, I mean, um, if I have to do this thing, like, uh, and it costs me like a crap load of money to, I'm really only doing it for myself. And like, you know, I don't know, maybe I'd charge $20 for this one thing, but like, I wouldn't, I would not absolutely not be like, wow, what's people's problem? They're not buying this. Like they must not be, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't take a snobbery yeah. like, cause it's just like, look, I, you know, I really did this for myself. And, and like, if, you know, if somebody like is like, look, look at this, look at all this work. Like that was awesome. Then cool. <laughs> like oh shit I wish I had a shitload of old magazines I could just cut the letters out of and make this all look like a <laughs> ransom note etc cetera, etc cetera, yeah you know? yeah um, I just like love all that shit and I mean I imagine you've kind of done um, things in all these different ways too like uh, w- when when was the first time that you used like a computer on a zine um was it from the get or no, I would say like the first two I did were probably just like handwriting and like um stamp letters and stuff like that and like drawings, but uh-huh. then I like to write a lot and it typing is just so much easier. Um I've done some on typewriters. I like typewriters. I love computers because as word processors they are like you can't compare them to anything else. Like it's just so versatile and so easy to like, Oh, this chunk of text should go somewhere else. Like I can just copy and paste it like, Holy shit. And like, I won't fuck the spacing 16 pages down in my zine. (laughs) You know, like, so it's like, I like having it typed out ahead of time and then I'll do all the layout manually, but all of the, all of it is typed now. Like I don't, I don't really fuck with, I mean, I will fuck with like some handwriting or like some like embellished, like, you know, maybe typewriter or stamp letter things. But for the most part, like if I'm writing a bunch of stuff, it's typed. Yeah, I cannot. But I don't use computers for layout like at all. I suck at that. And it is way more work for me than just laying things out manually. So it's a hybrid. Yeah. I, I can't do the handwriting like at all anymore. It's I, my, um, for some reason, like when I draw and I, I've, I, I've determined that it's just because of when I write, I have to hold the pencil tighter. When I draw, mm-hmm. I hold the pencil very loosely. 
Um, uh-huh. So like, I just can't write at all. And I mean, like, I remember, you know, my one of my first scenes, like exactly what you were talking about, where it's like, you're writing, and then you get three quarters of the way to the page and you're like, and then your handwriting gets much, much smaller and closer together. And you're like trying yep. to fit everything. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> and it starts to look really, um, there's actually kind of a, I, I actually kind of have a, a fondness for, for that as well. You know, just like when you see that every once in a while in, um, in like, uh, say like a Linda Berry comic or something, you know, you're like, oh, it's sure. happening, you know, like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. everybody's been there. Yeah. No, I, I like it too, but it is for me, uh, just way easier to use a computer for the writing oh, part. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I and mean. it's like, you know, I also tend to outline things and then fill them in. So that also works way better on like a Google doc or whatever. Um, um. And I've been able to do some collaborative stuff. So, like, my friend and I are working on this really stupid, funny project called 365 Punk Things to Do. <laughs> and so, oh, for, yeah, like, yeah. weeks and weeks, we, we were, like, both, like, plugging away at this Word document and just, you know, passing it back and forth and making each other laugh. So, it should be out, hopefully, by the end of this year. Um, but it has categories of things like cuisine and etiquette and things. <laughs> Awesome. Should be a a good time. (laughs) Looking forward to that. I saw some, uh, I saw like when you were like farming for submissions, I saw some of the submissions and they were pretty fun. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, So, yeah, one of them is, uh, you know, recognize Aaron Comet Bus by his handwriting. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) do you like what? What is Aaron Comet Bus up to? I, I'm He's met. still writing Comet Bus. Okay. Um, I, there's I've, a really good one that just came out recently, actually. I'm so out of it. Like, I'm... But he's typing t- now, too. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe for the same <laughs> reason as me. Maybe it's just yeah. like, you Fingers know, once, are too, once yeah. we get up there, we're just like, I can't do all this handwriting anymore. It it's hurts. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. So what else can you tell us about the Zine Fest that it, it, has that... Has that happened or it's it's about to happen? So the first one we did was called the Ephemera Festival, and it was in 2012 in Lexington. Oh, okay. And it went almost every year except for the COVID years um, with or without me. Uh, and then um, we're going to relaunch it for 2023. So it'll be on May 13th, 2023. And we've already got a space. We're going to do it at 21C Art Hotel here downtown in Lexington. And... Hopefully we'll get some of Michelle's friends from Chicago to come up. Uh, I'm also hoping we can get some Detroit and Nashville folks. And I know Cincinnati just had an event called Zine Cincinnati, and I want some of those people to come down too. So I also really hope that I can turn the 365 punk things into bingo cards and we can have punk rock bingo as one of the, <laughs> the events around the, uh, the fest. So we'll see. Yeah, that would be um, awesome. But yeah, <laughs> it's very silly. So. Now, how would you? You have to narrow that down, right? You couldn't have all like three hundred sixty-five. No, we'd probably just pick like the top. I don't know, fifty or something. Yeah, you couldn't have like a, you know, you couldn't have like so many variations of the board, et cetera, et cetera. To, no, to yeah, unless all. we're going to have like a yeah. million people playing, which we won't. Yeah, so. <laughs> just like, 
Well, how many? How many did you get? Two. Like everybody got <laughs> yeah. two. That's the most anyone ever ever got. But um, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you you know back to um, back to yellow wallpaper, which like this is the first time I think that we've said the the band name. Uh, <laughs> y- y'all started in 2021. And so you said like that was basically, you know, your friend was just like, hey, should we start a band? Yeah, he was like, hey, me and my friend are playing like guitar and bass and we would love a drummer. And I was like, "Uh, okay, I'll think about it because I hadn't drummed since like 2008. Um, And I was, you know, I've never been super confident. performer anyway like I can I can act like it but I'm always kind of (laughs) like on edge um and so I just decided sort of in the moment and I've been this has been sort of my mantra I guess for about a couple years now like I don't want to waste my own time um and so like if I don't like it and they don't like it that's fine I'll move on and do something else that I like more um and I went and like we played some songs like we were just playing like cover songs for a little while just to kind of get a feel for each other's like tastes and like, you know, how, how we might proceed. Um, and we wanted to do something that was like Halloween appropriate. Cause we're kind of like a bunch of old goths. So mm-hmm. we like, um, put together some, we played like a Depeche Mode song and sisters of mercy and this band called your funeral, which I adore. And, um, we got our friend Vivi to um, come and sing for us. And like, we did this like Halloween thing and it was really great. And then she was like, so are we going to keep being a band or like, was that it? (laughs) And we were all like, let's keep doing this. This is really cool and fun. Um, And it's just taken me completely outside of my comfort zone in so many ways um, to like, offer opinions on things that other people are doing. And like, uh, you know, I, I wrote lyrics for a couple things, um, which, you know, are being sung by somebody else and like other people are interpreting things and, you know, um, it's been a really interesting experience. I feel like it's definitely more than the sum of its parts. Like all of us are kind of just like sweet goofballs who like sad music (laughs) and punk rock and like, you know, we've, we've been doing this for, yeah, since July of 2021. And in September, actually, right after the tape was recorded, uh, our original basis had to step back. So we have a new person in as of like last month. Um, but he's been really versatile and great too. So it's been, it's been a wild ride. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I don't know. It's like, weird it's weird how like you can go into something thinking like oh yeah this will you know this will just be for kicks or whatever and then like it kind of turns you know turns around on you i think anything that kind of starts as like an experiment and or a joke that takes on a life of its own is the best kind of stuff um and i do kind of think of this as a perpetual experiment because it is ever changing. And I think that that's been another thing that's been made really apparent to pretty much everyone in the last few years. Like we're not guaranteed anything like time, health, (laughs) 
yeah. you know, and anything. And so like, we're just going to do what we can in the time that we have left and like hope for the best. And for now, like that is kind of propelling me through this. And I'm really, really happy to continue to be part of it because it's been, I mean, we've only played a handful of shows and like, we just put out this tape, but we've still got so much more that we want to do. And I'm just really eager to like see what we crank out next, especially with our, our new person playing bass, like see if, you know, how that collaborative creativity kind of like morphs <laughs> with yeah. the new person in the mix. Yeah. It could be a grind album next. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to have to drum a lot faster, <laughs> but the songs will be shorter. So maybe it'll even out. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it, it, it can work that way for sure. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned the cassette, like it, it was that something that y'all self-released? Yeah. Okay. So was yeah, this so like, as of, as of today, we have hand dubbed 25 copies of the tape and that's it. This is Most just... people will encounter this on Bandcamp. Like, we're probably going to get a run made professionally because hand dubbing is really time consuming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we like made a tiny run so that we could have a cassette release like show. And so we could put this music up on, you know, on the internet. But that's, I mean, it's going to be a limited run thing. And I, I don't know, like, we are not on a label. We're not with any artist collectives or anything here in town. Like we definitely have the support of a couple of local like art collectives and like labels, but we're not like officially with anyone. Yeah. Um, so I don't really care <laughs> if we get quote unquote signed or not, but like it would be kind of cool to have somebody else handle like production and distribution. <laughs> Cause that's one more fucking thing we have to do right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, can um, we just write the songs, please? That'd be great. Yeah, can we just do the fun part? <laughs> um, but yeah, when when you're talking about like you dubbed the tapes, did y'all order tapes online or or was it more more old school than that? Like, no, yeah, we ordered uh, okay. 25 tapes that were like, I think they were like 40 minutes long, and so we have two, you know, I don't know, like 18 minute sides or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some friends of mine a little while back did like a, they did a demo where it was like, just like, you know, all the tapes they fished out of Goodwill bins or something, you know, and I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I would love to do that. Like, they'd all probably sound terrible, but, um, yeah, but you know, that was my concern. Like we wanted it to sound okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know. Tape quality is really hit or miss. And then, like, the length, too, is really hit or miss. Mm -hmm. So, like, because it's so easy for tape manufacturers to make tape whatever length you want, like, even down to half-minute marks. Like, Yeah, for sure. So why not just, like, I think it was, like, I don't know, 30 bucks or something for 25 blank tapes that were the length that we wanted. So we were like, well, if we sell these for a couple dollars, like, we'll break even. So it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um and we're going to do a bulk order and that'll be way cheaper. So like we'll probably be less than a dollar a tape, I think. Yeah. It's, it's like, and we made the inserts and our friend who runs a label, like sold us a bunch of like, uh, clear cases. So like we have more stuff, but 
yeah, it's, I'm learning about all of that too. I've never done any of this part. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like I sang in a duo for a minute and then like have done some like noise projects, but we never put anything out that weren't just like, I recorded this on my phone and now it's on SoundCloud on some anonymous account or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I was so, going to say like, I bet yeah. like a noise, a noise project, like that'd be a cool thing. And I would, I'd be surprised if this hasn't happened where like somebody, just got random tapes and just recorded like, okay, so they have like a 30 minute like EP or whatever, like a a harsh noise wall EP. Right. And they just get Mm -hmm. a bunch of tapes and (laughs) like you get as much of the EP as the tape will allow. Like, (laughs) that'd be like, actually, that's my idea now. If no one's done that, it's mine. And then the rest is like whatever Bob Seger tape they recorded it over. Or yeah, well, you could do it. You could do it that way. Like, yeah, for sure. Like if, if you only had like 10 minutes and then you just like, that's it. And you stop and the rest is like, you know, um, is, 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 uh, the Christmas, um, Christmas, like JC Penny, like Christmas special. Like, I don't know. I, I just have some weird, like I ordered some, uh, bulk like tape, lot off of ebay like years and years ago because it had like six tapes in it that i wanted and it was like really cheap right <laughs> and the uh-huh. other ones that i got were so weird it was like this isn't the exact title but it was something like what i just mentioned it was like jc penny's 1985 christmas annual or whatever and it was like hell yeah <laughs> it was like muzak you know but it was christmas muzak and i was like i know some people who would probably pay good money for that <laughs> <laughs> it was like yeah i mean like i tried to tape over it at some point and it was like you could still kind of hear the muzak and, and <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah you like that'd be cool if you had like a noise thing and you could still hear this muzak you know or or yeah you had this noise thing and it had this like weird um, like like sermon on it or something, you know, that you could just sort mm-hmm. of still hear because it didn't quite tape over it. But <laughs> you know, alas, like I got rid of a lot of that stuff uh, before we moved because yeah. I was like, I was really like, I've been in this house for twenty two years, and I've I never throw stuff away. Like, um, yeah, I need to do. I cannot carry all of. Can do a stuff. massive purge. Yeah, yeah. It was like this has to go out on the curb, like for people to go through, and this has to go to you know, um, be donated to somewhere and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So you said like, uh, you know, with your new member and like you're um, trying to like, you've been working on new things like with the band and stuff. Um, I know like just releasing this album and stuff, there's not like a, this is what's next kind of thing, but do you have any shows or anything coming up that, that you can um, like tell people about before we sort of wrap it up? Sure. Yeah. So the next show that we have on the books is going to be on December 10th uh, here in Lexington at a place called the green lantern, which is like a punk dive bar. Um, And it's, we're going to be some of the like openers for this thing that our friend Nick puts on every year called up the pups fest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like a humane society, um, benefit because I guess a lot of dogs get returned to the humane society, like after Christmas. Mm. 
like a lot of Christmas puppies get like sent back to the pound. So, um, every year around like December, he does this, uh, event and it's like a showcase. So there's, I think there's gonna be like eight bands or something and we're going to play kind of early in the evening, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, and then I've also got an event of my own, uh, on December 22nd. Um, and it's just going to be like a DJing thing and like people can come and hang out, but it's going to be a Gothmas celebration. So I have a fake Christmas holiday (laughs) called Gothmas and I've been doing another, that's my other big writing project. Um, so we're going to have a photo booth and I already have an idea. There's going to be like a coffin shaped background. It's going to have satin in it and you can like stand (laughs) in it and look like you're in a coffin. Amazing. (laughs) I'm super excited. (laughs) Is that going to be at the same place? Uh, no, it's going to be at this other bar called Al's, okay. uh, which is like, you know, another like kind of punky bar, but it's definitely a bigger space. Um, and they also, I think they'll have food, which is cool. Cause they used to have a working kitchen and now like it's only staffed part of the year by people who run a food truck the other half of the year. So I'm pretty excited that there'll be good food there. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about that, I mean, like, like I said, before we started recording, like we could obviously just sit here and talk, Sure. About, but like, is there anything we didn't cover? Like that's going on? Um, I mean, always, 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 like there's always stuff going on. I would say that one thing that I, I guess just want to put out into the world is like not wasting your own time is a pretty good way to go about it. And like also, you know, being like just okay with being uncomfortable in art, I think is one of the best and richest places for things to come out of. Um, Not that you have to like actively suffer for your art or anything, but just that like, you know, if you have hesitations that the hesitation, the thing that's causing you to hesitate in the moment is telling you something. I think maybe it's like gift of fear kind of, kind of philosophy. Like it can be a good thing. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think just get out of your comfort zone friend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, not like a, not like in a, in a, this is like making me feel manic way, but like in a, like you're in your own way kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I don't know, I'm going to be 40 in a year and feel like I always felt like, you know, my opportunity to make music and be in a band that I thought was cool and do the art that I wanted to do and make the art that I wanted to make had kind of like passed me by because a lot of my friends had been in bands since they were in their 20s. And then like a lot of them, you know, got married and had kids like quit doing art, but I think it's everybody's path is different. Like I'm just now coming into this part of my life and this aspect of expression, you know, and, and like exploration. And it's just been this really enriching experience. So I would also say it's like anybody that's listening that like, you know, yeah, you can take drum lessons at the age of 39 and be in a badass band (laughs) and like it's totally like possible and like our friend 
who's singing for us hadn't been in a band in like 10 or 15 years. And, you know, she's just like an incredible force of nature on stage, but you wouldn't know it looking at her. Cause she's just like, you know, this little like fun person. <laughs> like she's really like, <laughs> she's really like friendly. She can be like super intense and like, there's just many sides to everybody. And like, I don't know. I think the, the, the more I advance in age, the, more I realize over and over again that like that programming, especially about ageism, like that, Oh, like older people can't do cool stuff is like complete bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think the inverse is true as well. Like, like younger folks think that they are not ready for something like, I think that I yeah, see that I a lot less, that. you know, but like, yeah. you know, sometimes younger folks are like, Oh, I, you know, I'm not, I can't be in a band or, you know what I mean? Like, right. And I mean, I grew up in Louisville. It's very hardcore. It's very masculine. It's very straight. Like mm-hmm. I was never really part of the scene. Cause I was kind of like a queer outsider who like I, hardcore is fine, but it like, wasn't my, you know, it wasn't what I always wanted to do. It was just like, Oh, well, punk is like really aggressive and like, you know, kind of subversive and that's cool, but like, it isn't really aesthetically what I want. Um, but I always felt like an outsider, even in like, you know, it's like, Oh, how sad you're like an outsider in the punk scene or the goth scene or whatever, like the place for weirdos and misfits, like you don't even fit in with them, but you know, you have to make, make your own way. And I think not conforming to the nonconformists is real important too. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, I wanted to, like, be cool and, like, have people like me and stuff. And now I just, like, if people like me, that's cool. Like, if they don't, that's also fine. I I don't need any new friends. (laughs) Yeah. Like, new friends are cool, but, like, they're they're few and far between and it's fine. So. Yeah. I think that, you know, obviously the uh, proliferation of the internet or whatever has has made, like, some of that – a less likely um, thing in people's lives because you really can like dial it in like to all like, okay, these people are remarkably similar to me and have the same interests, you know, whereas like what you're experiencing, what I've experienced, you know, is like Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's the, uh, the homogeny even in the subculture where you're like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm either going to be a part of this or I'm going to be a part of nothing kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're, you know, you're, what you're saying about like, uh, being this age and finally feeling like you gave yourself permission to be in a band, et cetera, et cetera, is like really, uh, resonated with me and how I feel about my, uh, my identity and my sexuality, you know, because like, mm-hmm. I had people tell me like I wasn't this enough or I wasn't whatever enough. And I'm like, these same people are, they're no different than all of the, 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 the boys that I was friends with that were telling me that I weren't something else enough, you know? And so, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, and I don't think it should take anyone that realization that like, holy shit, maybe the clock is ticking, you know, faster than we think, like to just be like, um, it is ticking, like no matter how much time is left, it is ticking in and, and just do, 
do what you need to do and, and, uh, and be who you need to be, you know? And, um, like, yeah, you, you know, the, the, un the discomfort is there, but, um, yeah, the reward is, is, you know, is worth it. So, um, but yeah, I didn't, you know, mean to take that in a whole other way, but. <laughs> no, uh, I think it's, it's true though. And, you know, I've gotten, I think COVID really made a lot of us stare down the barrel of like what was left of our lives and be like, Whoa, I don't know how much is guaranteed. Oh yeah. wait, nothing is. Okay. Yeah. I got to get out of these closets real quick because like, I know a lot of people that transitioned during COVID and I know a lot of people that have been like quitting jobs and changing careers and doing, you know, just like moving their lives around in big ways and like moving across the country and making wild art and, you know, coming out here and there and everywhere. And like, it's great because it's really, I think creating, you know, and setting these precedents that like, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. And, you know, I think so many of us, even the punks, like even the, the anarchists and the queers, like really have been clinging hard to some like respectability politics stuff. And I think that a lot of that is like, it's not falling away, but it's definitely being challenged and I'm here for it. <laughs> And that was my conversation with Cheyenne Homan. Thank you so much, Cheyenne, for taking the time to chat with me and for all these years of friendship. And thanks to all of you for joining us as well. Be sure to go by patreon.com slash human machine to see what else I've been up to. Until next time, take care and do good things.